Morning, church. Who's excited to be here today? Come on, you can do better than that. That's exciting. It's good to all of us to be here. Uh, They're still rocking over there, it looks like. So I just want to welcome all of our our live stream guys here, Um, especially uh, a special shout out. Uh, to all of our uh, folks that are from WFR and are just here at home. Uh, I just want to give you our love, our support. Would everybody give a round of applause just to let those folks know we love them? I thought about it when I've been, you know, praying over our prayer request and our folks who are sick. And, you know, I just, I feel for you because... Part of when you're going through something really difficult, part of the, the lift up that you get is, um, is being around your family. And uh, I mentioned uh, Ron to you last week, and Ron called me this week, which was great. I mean, I was getting all ready to head down there, and uh, are they with us now? Fellowship Center, are you there? All right, they're here. Awesome. I was just filling until you got through singing. Uh, but I was going to tell you about Ron because uh, it was really, you know, his voice is weak. Uh, he's got this brain tumor and got some infection issues, but overall got better news than that they had figured they were going to get. And, um, you know, it's just important to be able to share love with somebody. I was going to load up and head down there. In fact, David Bromley's there this weekend at Karen, and we were going to go see him. And then, you know, because of COVID, you can't even go see him. And I thought, man, what a time uh, to be isolated. So I just want everyone that's watching, that's isolated at home, that's just trying to stay well and stay safe, your family loves you deeply. We love you deeply. And so, yeah, give it up. So I know I didn't go over to the uh, Fellowship Center side, but if Ryan Lee is here, I know he's happy because Miami's finally good again. So uh, probably put a little spring in his step today. Uh, good for you. Congratulations. Today, uh, my sermon title is The Greatest Show on Earth. And uh, I thought it was interesting because it kind of took me back into doing a little research into Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey because, of course, that was their claim, right? Uh, for 146 years, uh, which is a pretty good run uh, for a show, really is the greatest show on earth, right? And I, I ran across an interesting story uh, when they were, I think it was 1934, uh, LSU was going to host a Southern Methodist on their opening game, but the circus was in town. Uh, in Baton Rouge. And so it, the ticket sales were really not going very well. And so Huey P. Long, our governor, decided he would step in to pep up those sales. And he found a little-known animal dipping law that was on the books in the state of Louisiana. So he forced them to have to dip all their animals or leave. And so, you know, it's hard to dip an elephant. I don't know if you probably... So he ran the circus out of town, and then they sold out Tiger Stadium. So don't you miss the good old days of Louisiana politics? So, uh, Daniel, if you could be making your way up here. A few uh, weeks ago, Daniel Johnson read our scripture. And if you remember, one of the things that Daniel told us he could do was juggle. And I said that I had never met a juggler until now. And I also told you guys that one day we would see this young man juggle. And so I think for the first time in the history of White's Ferry Road, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the aerial artist, the tantalizing trickster, and the only juggler I know, give it up for Daniel Johnson. 
Daniel Douglas. I love it. So, Daniel, how, uh, how long can you do this? Because I don't have anything prepared for today at all. Okay, that's good. I like his confidence. He's right there with it. Uh, I had some Inman jokes. Oh, that, uh, just, just the name of Tommy Inman wreaks havoc. All right, another round of applause, especially Fellowship Center. Give it up for this man. All right, I'm going to be reading John 12:13. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. All right, thank you, Daniel. Awesome. Awesome. I guess you could have, uh, you know, if Inman were juggling, it would be uh, pill bottles. <laughs> Just a joke. Speaking of jokes, did you watch the LSU game yesterday? <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going there. We want this to be an upbeat time this morning. So our uh, recent events that lead us into our, our text today in John 12, uh, as Rick said, are that uh, Jesus has gone back to Bethany, Judea, to raise Lazarus from the dead. And that turned out great, right? Except that there was, because of that, now there's so many more people wanting to follow Jesus that the, the plan is hatched to kill him. And so Jesus goes away again. But then they're going to have a big party. I guess it's a Lazarus's back party. And so he comes back into town for that. And it's really interesting because not only were they planning to kill Jesus, but they wanted to re-kill Lazarus. If you think about how ridiculous that is, if you're with a guy who could raise him from the dead, right? And, and yet that's their thought process. And so as Mike uh, painted a beautiful picture for us last week at this party, we see sort of a tale of two hearts. We see extravagant uh, giving on Mary's behalf, and sh- she understands the moment, and she understands where Jesus is in the moment. And it's very beautiful what she does. And I love that idea of that's the way we want to give our hearts and lives to him, right? And then we had Judas there, which was representative of the other side. He always got that, as Tommy preached a few weeks ago, a good and evil. You just see him clearly, right? He's stingy. He's greedy. There's nothing extravagant about him at all. He's just worried about what he's not going to be able to get his hands on. And that's, of course, what Satan does to people. That's the way he guides and that's the way he leads. Today, uh, we're going to look at... We're, now we're inside of the last week of Jesus' life and mission, what he came to do on this earth. That's why I call it the greatest show on earth. It's the greatest event in history or the future of the world. You think about it. I mean, anything that's ever happened up to this point or anything that ever will happen again, the events that are going to unfold this week in this text are the greatest ever because they impact and they change and they literally change destinies. No disrespect to Ringling Brothers or Hugh Jackman. This is the greatest show on earth, right? Because of its impact. Within a week, the earth will have witnessed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of Man and the Son of God. Sinless, perfect hybrid of God and humanity. Here as a sacrifice. 
This event had been planned outside of time and outside of space. Before the creation of the universe, before the creation of the world, before the creation of humanity. All this was unfolding in this week. Truly the greatest show on earth. Well, how would you start the greatest show on earth? What would you do? Well, the first thing you need, any great show has to have fanfare, right? You've got to have some fanfare. You've got to have people there willing to witness it. I said I wasn't going to talk about LSU. But it just wasn't the same with a stadium 25% full. Did anybody else notice that? I mean, don't you feel like at an LSU game that even if the other team is better, and that, certain, that team was better than us yesterday, no doubt about it, even if the other team is better, somehow the crowd and the fans are just going to will those young guys to win the game. There's something magical about it, right? And yet yesterday, they weren't there because of COVID. I mean, I was excited to have football again. It just wasn't the same. And that's what you look at this story in this situation. That's, fans can bring that. People can bring that. If the greatest show on earth happened and nobody was there to witness it, that'd be a shame, right? And yet there were people who were there. And we talked about it. We've been singing about it all morning. Listen to what happens. Because Jesus is larger than life and death. And so he deserves our best. Look at John chapter 12, however you read your text these days, in verse 12. The next day the great crowd, there is your fandom, They had come for the festival, and they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches, and they went out to meet him, and they were shouting, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. They're just shouting it over and over and over again. What a scene. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. Old prophecy, over 500 years before this day, pointing that this was going to happen. Verse 17, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. I mean, Jesus is the talk of the town. The buzz is strong. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. That raising of Lazarus is still buzzing about who Jesus is and what he did. It's a moment. They recognize his triumph. That's what you see with the palm leaves. These things represent, from ancient Egypt, it represents victory, peace, and immortality. That was what it is. Conquering kings would come home and, and their armies with them, and people would lay those palm branches out and say, We, victorious, immortal. This civilization will always be here, which, of course, was not true because one fell right after the other. But this king was different, and they were recognizing him. They recognized his ability to save. Hosanna, that's what that word means. Save us, Hosanna. I don't know about you guys, but 2020 is the year of Hosanna. I mean, is it not? Pandemics, race riots, looting, strife, division, a presidential election, all these things rolled into one year. Hosanna is what I say. Save us, Lord. It's the year of Hosanna. They recognized him as the true king of Israel. 
the Messiah that would establish an eternal presence, the kingdom of heaven. Now, they didn't quite understand that. Obviously, we'll find out later because they, like a lot of people still today, misunderstood. They thought just that physical strip of land in Israel was everything was about that place. But Jesus consistently said, as well as John the Baptist, the kingdom is so much bigger than that. You don't stop the kingdom with borders. You don't stop the kingdom with walls. You don't stop the kingdom with parties and ideologies. The kingdom of heaven rules everything. And it was brought here and established in this week, in this moment. But, you know, there's always fans that don't get it, right? I meet people and they say, They'll be talking about the show about Duck Dynasty. And I said, well, I'm so sorry I didn't watch your show. I said, it's okay. It wasn't for everybody, right? Some fans are just like, meh, right? We got two, two groups consistently everywhere Jesus goes that don't seem to get it. The first group, unfortunately, is his own disciples. They spend a lot of time being clueless, you know? And look what happens in verse 16. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. They're watching it. They've been with him now for three years, but they're not getting it. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. In defense of the disciples, sometimes when you're a part of something that's big and huge and bigger than you and you're in the middle of it, you don't always realize the implications until later. And you look back and you think, wow, look at what God was doing during this period of time. So in their defense, I've been like that sometimes. God's doing something and I'm not clearly sure what it is until he's done it. And then the other group that doesn't get it, verse 19, the Pharisees said to one another, this great spectacle, this great fanfare, here was their response. See, this is getting us nowhere. I mean, you're witnessing it. He's like, see, what is this? I mean, we got to kill this guy. Then this statement. Now, they actually wandered into a truth here. They said, look, the whole world has gone after it. Now, that was hyperbole, right? Because they're not looking at the whole world. But they stumbled into something. It's actually our second point. You need fanfare, but you also need a new element if you're going to have the greatest show on earth. And the Pharisees had just stumbled into something that nobody really understood except for Jesus. Why he came. Now, you look at the circus. If you have a circus for 146 years, you better have some new elements, right? Do you think the, the circus was any different from the 1871 version to the 2017 version? A few new acts, right? Jesus is going to bring something new. And, and it's just a snippet. It's just a picture of something here. And nobody gets it at all. But we get it, looking back on it. And I'm telling you what. As someone who's standing here today as a son of God, I am so appreciative of what Jesus did. Look at verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks. Ooh, boo, hissing. Ooh. Jews don't like Greeks. So there were some Greeks among those who went to worship at the festival. I can promise you they were not welcomed. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request, sir. We would like to see Jesus. Man, was, when, I, when I first read that, when I was preparing this, I mean, I just got chills thinking about that. You think about I mean, I get emails, I get letters. 
from people all around the country. I want to change my behavior. I mean, I, I love what you guys are saying. It, it's impacting me. I want to do more. I want to do more. And then I think back to that one line. They just need to see Jesus for who he really is. And all the behavioral stuff that's plaguing you can be brought into a clear focus and can be taken away if we see Jesus, right? I love this simple request. We would like to see Jesus. 22, Philip told Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And nothing else is said about these guys. But right after they said the whole world, you see these Greeks show up. And Jesus doesn't address it. It's not addressed in the text. But I, I get a feeling they got to see it. And it changed them. Don't know for sure, but that's what I think. You see, until Jesus came, the Jews saw themselves as us and everybody else. The people we will rule one day. That was their mindset. That's what they thought. Jesus revealed a secret from God. He loves everybody. He created the universe. He created humanity. He doesn't want one person to fail or to fall. Not a one. And Jesus brought that together. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul said, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. I'm called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture regarding his son as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, the son of man. Jewish heritage. The Israelites totally understood that. But there was more. And who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God... Empowered by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. He was, he was killed, gave his life, he was put into a tomb, and he was raised to live. And now it's a game changer. And here's why. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you are among those Gentiles who have been called to Christ. And I point my finger at the computer screen, to your phone to the fellowship center and to right here. Because of this moment, we now are in Christ. I think that's a Hosanna answer, don't you? Man. See, being a, a Jew is not what saved them. They thought it was. Faith in God is what saved them. Even under law. It was always still about faith in God and trust that he would send the Messiah. Keeping the law is not what saved them. They couldn't do it anyway. But even if they could have, it wasn't their own perfection that they were striving for because nobody could keep the law. It's just a reminder of that. Faith in Christ is what saves. Paul would put it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. In him. I hear commentators and people say every day, you know, we're so divided we can never be brought together. Oh, yes, we can. You know how? In the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what brings people together. That's what's going to save people. That's going to take away the desire to, to always have these ideological warfare. It was right here. No Jew could have ever seen this happening. And yet Jesus says, you ain't seen nothing. Peter said, 
God doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. You see, it's no us and them. It's just us. We're just human beings who sin, who fall short of the glory of God, who need that salvation, that Hosanna. John and I were touring a prison, John Godwin, in Utah. And we heard a testimony from two young ladies who were there because they were involved in two murders because of gang situation. And one of them was, her story was so compelling, and I was just you know, sitting there just you know, on the edge of my seat listening to it. And something she said that was so powerful. She said, you know, and she talked about she was just a troublemaker and the guards and all these problems, you know, all the time she was, because she'd been there like 12 years. And she said, you know what finally changed it for me? When I realized one day that all this time I had seen is us and them, the inmates and the guards, inmates and the jailers. She said, then one day it just hit me. It's all us. They're locked up in here with us too. So we need to figure out how to get along together. And it changed for her. And now here she was giving us her testimony. She was about to get out and she was so fearful about the evil one in her old life. But she now had had a relationship with Christ. And she was different. And she was changed. And I thought, that's it. She walks out of that prison with a mindset that there's no us and them. There's just us. Those who believe who Jesus is and trust in him. So, you've got fanfare. You've got a new element. But you still need a why moment and a wow moment to have a good show, right? And this is the greatest show. Look back at the text. Jesus is the ultimate ringleader. He's going to explain exactly what's going to happen. Verse 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The greatest show is about to begin. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And boy, did it ever. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, with anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Nothing in this world, nothing in your life can be bigger than Jesus. That's what he just said. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. In his death... He offers us a forever alternative. What a gift. I recently did a wedding, and it was in Missouri. And so a lot of people were coming up to me because you guys, you here at WFR, I've done so many weddings here. You've heard all my wedding stuff. I've got a lot of it from Tommy's stuff. And you kind of do your thing, you know, you've got your words. And in my vows, I say, I promise, when they're speaking these to one another, I promise to work alongside you to help get our family to heaven. And I had a lot of people that were in the audience that had never heard that before. And they were like, one guy actually took a picture of my notes. Has anybody ever done that, Tommy, to your notes? Yeah, silence. That's what I, several he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He took a picture of the notes, which I would laugh because I thought, that's funny, you know, that somebody would want the... But, but that was the impacting nature. But when it, it, it was good for me because, you know, I do the wedding. I've said these things for a long time. And I thought, you know what? That is a big statement. If every marriage was lived in such a way 
that everything in it was to get our family to heaven, how much better would the marriage be? I mean, every problem, she's not meeting my needs and, you know, we're not communicating well. Yeah, but are we working to get our family to heaven? Because if that's happening, life will be better on, on the plantation, on the house, wherever, right? Jesus, it's a why moment. He is everything. But we need a wow moment. We've got to have a showstopper to have a good show. And we got one. Verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me, right? And I, and I believe he said that for his disciples and the converts. Because let me say something. Those first century Christians, they had to really mean it. I mean, it may happen again to us, the sort of persecution. I mean, we're starting to see the rumblings of it. But it may cost you your life. It, it cost a lot of them their lives, literally. So you're talking about being up for the task. He was giving them a little heads up. Look, this ain't going to be easy. Verse 27, I love, I love this. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. I love the, the humanity of Jesus because he said, I'm troubled. I mean, this is not easy, what I'm about to do, what I'm about to go through. And the human part of him said, it's going to be rough. And boy, was it ever. I think about people facing some disease or some terrible thing where you know it's going to be a battle. And like I said earlier, so many of them are going through that today. Jesus understands. That's why he said that. He, he, he gets it. It's fearful to face that moment. But then he says, gives himself a little pep talk, but you know what? This is why I came to this hour. And then he says four great words. Father, glorify your name. What that means is, is that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what you're doing, ultimately we want God to get glory. Right? We learned that John 9. All these things that have happened. Lazarus dies. What's going to happen? God's going to get glory. I want to live my life where God gets glory every second of it. Here's the big wow moment. He gets a shout out from heaven. I don't know about you, but I like a good amen, a good Kurt Lively back there. But nobody's, I hadn't heard the one from heaven yet. But he got one. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Shout out from the Father. The crowd that was there and heard it thought it thundered. I mean, they, they didn't hear the words, but it sounded like thunder. Others said an angel had spoken to him. I guess they thought angels could speak thunder, right? Boom. Glorified. Mm. Jesus said the voice was for your benefit, not mine. In other words, I got it. I'm part of the plan. But now you know this really is the greatest moment in human history or future. Wow, that is a wow moment. Well, you can't have a show without a big finale. And here's Jesus in verse 31. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Now you think about that. 
We're so frightened of Satan. And look, the Bible tells us, look, he's, he's a bone to be chewed. Don't take that for granted because he's still here. And he said, well, what, what, what would Jesus mean there? I thought he was, I thought he said he was going to drive him out. Remember what the Hebrew writer said in verse, chapter 2, verse 14? Jesus' death destroyed him who holds the power of death, the devil, and freed everyone. Freed everyone from the slavery of the fear of death. You see, he's still here. He's menacing. He's problematic. But do you realize now that he has no power, only what you give him over your life? I mean, once we've been freed from the fear of death, he holds nothing over us. Only what we give him. Only what we allow him to do. We've been freed from that. Eternal life is ours. When Jesus has the pep talk to himself, that's the pep talk we give to each other. When Ron and I were on the phone, do you know what I told him about? Heaven. Just a reminder. Just in case this is to glorify God, what he's going through, and he goes on to be with the Lord. It's the ultimate win. There's no defeating us unless we give it away. That's why this is truly the greatest show on earth. In verse 32, he said, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. The cross. They lifted that cross up, and it seemed like such a moment of shame and terrible, and he's bloodied, and he's beaded, and all these bad things are happening. But when he's lifted up, salvation is coming. And not only that, 43 days later, he would also be lifted up without a rocket booster as the glorified Son of God heading back to heaven to represent us. Neither the grave nor gravity can hold my Lord down. He's, whoo. You know what he said? One day when I come back, we're all going to fly. I can't wait for that, can you? I mean, I, since I saw Superman, I want to fly. We're going to do it. Well, <laughs> the crowd. No, oh, the crowd. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Not fitting our theology. The Son of Man. How can you say this? In fact, who is the Son of Man? Now, wait a minute. Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel, blessed in the name of the Lord. What happened to those guys? You know what happened? They really were fans, not followers. Saw the show, missed the point. Think people do that today? Hmm. Show. Hosanna. Who is the son of man? That's a bad question. John, if you guys would come up. So here's what Jesus closed with. You're going to have the light just a little while longer. Because, you know, think about it. That would have been very dejecting to go through this whole moment. And then they're like, now, who are you? I won't be here much longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. If you don't get this now, if you miss it, you've missed it. 
Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. Whenever he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. I love it when he does the Jedi thing at the end. He gone. You only have the light for so long. I think about that when people have a moment where they look inwardly for whatever reason and they see it and they say, man, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I, I need something more in my life. It's just, it's going down this place of just, it's, I'm going to be destroyed. I'm destroying my family and I just, I want to do something. I just, who is the son of man? It's desperate times for you, my friend. I mean, you got, you think 70, 80 years is a long time until you live here a while. I used to think 55 was old till I was there. That went by fast. You got one shot at this thing. To entrust your life to Jesus Christ. To believe he is who he said he is. To believe that he did what he said he did. And to believe that he's going to come back and do what he said he will do. That's the gospel story. That's how it impacts and changes lives. And today you have an opportunity to just simply trust in him. I was so inspired yesterday with thousands and thousands of people walking down that Washington Mall. You know what they were doing? Praying. Hosanna. Save our land. Save our people. You can't reach anybody else until you're reached yourself. And you have that opportunity today. If you need Jesus, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?